Welcome to the AP Podcast. Today we have Mr. Austin Stout, the man himself. How's it going, Austin? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing awesome, brother. Hey, uh, for all those of you who don't know, Austin, kind of coming off his um, bodybuilding show, what very uh, successfully looked amazing. Um, he has a lot of great content up on his page um, explaining how he's coming out of the diet, coming out of the prep with his blood work, with his, I mean, everything. And uh, a very, very knowledgeable resource, and I'm really happy to have him on the, the show today. Um, so, yeah, awesome. Like, honestly, you've been on the show before, um, wealth of knowledge. Kind of give us a little background for the viewers who are just now kind of uh, tuning in. What's uh, your background with, um, with fitness? Okay, yeah. So, like you said, I've been on before well, a couple of months, a few months ago probably, but um, some of you may have seen me on other shows or what have you, but um, my background, my co well, my coaching and yeah, I would say my coaching background spans back about 10, 10 ish years. Um, and then my actual bodybuilding started, you know, a little bit before that, uh, like most people, I kind of got into weight training because of sports. I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's what's where a lot of people start. Um, didn't play typical sports. You know, I wasn't really into football, basketball, things like that. I was more so wrestling. Um, but then obviously the nutrition aspect was intriguing just because of the weight component for wrestling. So, um, that, that definitely came into play a lot for me when I realized that, Hey, I could, I could actually wrestle at the weight class that I wanted and feel better and not necessarily do the silly drastic stuff that everyone else was doing, but I would actually perform better. So, uh, long story short, I started, I, I started, you know, my weight training and stuff around that time in high school, probably early in high school, maybe junior high. And almost all the information that I saw online or in magazines, almost everything pertained to bodybuilding. So that's, and, and it's still the same way. You look up anything fitness related. I mean, almost all of it was all the advanced information is going to be pretty much bodybuilding related. So, um, I decided, hey, after I get done with sports, I'm going to start bodybuilding. So, you know, that's, I traded one extreme sport for, I mean, wrestling is a pretty, you know, pretty uh, um, demanding sport. And then right into bodybuilding. And I literally started prepping for my first show in high school. And I have not, you know, haven't turned back. So I just turned 28. So 10. 10 years from coaching actually I was talking to my wife the other day I will have my very first paid client which was you know it's like a PT client I had at the gym was exactly 10 years ago so that's kind of that gives you the time span so I thought that was kind of cool you know 10 years is time really has flown definitely yeah no I <clears throat> 10 years is a long time man and for, yeah. for holding and having a relationship with, with clients and that's what um that's what people follow you and appreciate all your content is just because of that reason is a lot of times coaches or whatever, it's all about slinging the diet plans or, you know, giving training programs. But at the end of the day, building a relationship with that client or that person is, uh, is really important. Obviously if you've been on to them for 10 years now, um, and so you can continually give them more value. Um, and, and, and I started to, to hear because a lot of the, a lot of the guys are, you know, like you, Bodybuilding is your background, but you work with a lot of general population too, not just bodybuilders, correct? Right. Yeah, I work with, I would say 
trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, I would say it's probably probably not 50-50. I mean, it was probably 70-30, though. Uh, maybe 60-40 type of split in terms of the amount of most – a little more being towards the bodybuilding side, but not all of them. I mean, I have gen pop, and then I have athletes, too. So I have um, – wrestlers, fighters, like other endurance athletes. I've worked with marathon runners, um, like any, I mean, pretty much sport you can think of. Um, I don't always necessarily handle the training component, depending on like maybe the strength training component. Some of the specialized stuff, I leave it up to their coaches. You know, I'd be, I'm not gonna, like I had a, uh, this year I worked with a, uh, collegiate, a varsity collegiate rower. Like, well, I'm obviously not going to set up their rowing, specialized rowing training because I have no idea how to do it. So, mm -hmm. um, but you know, nutrition and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of things you can that are interchangeable to an extent. I mean, working with some of those endurance athletes is a little bit different, though. Uh, but you know, it's just like anything else. Experience, you can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> That's why um, today, why I'm bringing that up is because today. You know, if you are in bodybuilding or if you are in just wanting to better your lifestyle and all that kind of stuff, um, Austin and I both kind of went through what we're going to talk about today. And I think it'd be awesome to go through right now. It was a huge transition, um, at least with like my clients of just really understanding and getting very, very good at including and structuring just instead of uh, meal by meal, portion by portion, like more of like bodybuilder, old school dieting to more of okay, let's start implementing and learning about macros and then learning about what food choices that we can make. What are some alternatives that nobody really thinks of to hit the macros? Because a lot of people are like, well, it's not on my plan, so I'm going to do this and I'm just going to go at it. I'm just going to go ham. And so I get that, it's that, that psychological response. Um, but if you have some self-control, you're taught that there is alternatives. Um, it's a huge benefit. And so on top of that, we'll spin off and I would, you know, we're going to go into digestion a little bit and, meal rotation to to really help with uh, a lot of things and then um maybe with the actual macro selection stuff how it affects your micronutrients rather than just your macronutrients so um first off my man like what do you what do you experience with clients now with with um with macro kind of coaching you know i like to help with example plans and then also have a macro nutrient timing plan to like show them, you know, both of them to get them going, but also start teaching them. But um, what is the, the main thing you kind of go through with, with clients, you'd say, to teach them, okay, start tracking this or start, you know, understanding macros? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people just uh, that understand the benefits and importance of being able to track macros or just understanding what foods are. I mean, some people don't want to know. They're like, hey, I don't even want to think about anything. I just, you know, it's do this that, and that's, and that's okay. Like that's, yeah. that's a coaching style that, I mean, if, if that's the kind of person the client is, that's how I coach them. You know, that's how I'm going to coach them. I'm, I'm that way. That's how I am actually. Yeah. Yeah. Totally it's okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that necessarily, but I think it's also important to realize that, like you said, I mean, there are benefits to having variety. Now, realistically, like realistically, most people aren't going to eat different stuff every day because one, it takes time to plan Two, they're, you know, grocery shopping and stuff. I mean, you're not going to 
you're going to buy more than one day's worth of food at a time, typically. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, like, in a practical sense, yeah, that that's why it's difficult. People can meal prep for multiple days. They same thing, easy out the door. Um, but there are like when I talk about food rotation with people, they think when you talk about counting macros or using a macro plan. That's what people think of. They think that they have to rotate foods all the time. And well, not really. I mean, you can you can still have a macro plan and still eat the same stuff. It's just I typically with food rotation, I'll encourage a periodic rotation, not every week, even not even every two, three weeks, maybe once a month, you swap out some sources of food and add something new. Uh, maybe you go to the grocery store once a week or twice a week or, or whatever your, you know, grocery shopping frequency is, you know, yeah. every time you go to the store, every other time, buy a different protein source, buy a different carbohydrate source, like buy something just a little bit different and introduce new sources that way. Uh, it doesn't, and like I said, it doesn't have to be, you're changing every single meal. Um, like anyone that follows me, they see I post different stuff. And I think I had a couple of people ask me like, how do you, do you eat like all these exotic things and different stuff every day? I'm like, well, no, not really because I eat a lot of the same stuff all the time. But I mean, I have, you know, I might have X amount of protein sources and carb sources and fat sources that I like to rotate through, you know? So, and, and that's another thing. I mean, obviously like our palate, you're, if you don't like something, you're not going to have a lot of selection, but you can have five to 10 things that you like and rotate through them. Um, and like we talked about a little bit before the show, one of the benefits there is just uh, in terms of food intolerances. Um, that's, it's an issue within, it's like, when some people get mysterious digestive issues and they haven't changed anything in their plan, nothing's changed in their life. They have no stress, you know, no, nothing, uh, no variables are different. Um, and one of the first things I ask is, you know, how long have you been eating these, these meals? And then they start paying attention to like, okay, it's bothering me after meal, meal one and meal two. And I'm like, okay, well, what's in those meals? All right, let's take that out. Let's put something else in and let's see how you feel. Uh, inevitably, a lot of the time they feel better. Well, I mean, you, um, we have enzymes that digest pretty much anything that we put into our body. And now just think about like if you, if you just batter an enzyme over and over and over and over again with an excessive amounts, you're going to, I mean, to put it simply, you're going to wear it out. Yeah. So, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of where some of the food intolerances can come from. And when we say intolerances, it's not like, not like food allergy, like you have a peanut allergy and you're going to you know, go into shock and die. It's not like that. That's not, you know, no, that's and it's, not mean, it's not meaning that you can't come back to eat that food ever again either. It's just, that's a, a good point. Yep. It's just a rotation to kind of give that <clears throat> those enzymes a break. Cause if y'all also notice, and I've seen a little bit of this, uh, I used to really be back my previous mentor coach, you know, eliminate all of the possible variables going in and it worked going into a show prep, like, like, yeah, you know, gluten and dairy and all that stuff, eliminate it going in. And so you don't have to have any variables really just have rice based material or, or your foods or, you know, potato based or whatever starchy stuff. But <clears throat> you know, you notice though, post show or trying to just live in the off season, like, if you have any sort of dairy, it, you, your stomach blows up. 
And that's just because those enzymes have not been active. And so then I feel like you're, you kind of have to reverse, I don't know what you call it, reverse enzyme and reverse uh, intolerance or, you know, tolerate the, yeah. the new foods or whatever you want to call it. Right. And so I'd say that, you know, if you're having more of a, it's not for a purpose for, even if it is a for a purpose of like dieting up for a show, um, I'm like, I don't really use dairy cause I just don't, I just don't. But, um, I'd say that in the off season, if you're living just like, you know, if you're, if you're going to events, you're a very outgoing person or something like that, that there's going to be some foods that are going to pertain to having cheese on it or whatever. Then I would, you know, that's something in the, in the rotation that I wouldn't just like eliminate completely all the time. Otherwise you're going to be at that event. And you might have to go to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You may, you brought up a good point too about, um, with a lot of those intolerances, it's not necessarily a permanent thing. You can, you can normally, um, rest, you know, rest the enzymes or, or however you want to phrase it for an amount of time. And then you can rotate things back in, like you said. So, I mean, it's not, and it, and, and there's also like a big part of adherence is, uh, if something's palatable or not, like I, I get so sick of people saying I like complaining so much about they hate their food. I'm like, well, why do you eat it? <laughs> why? why do you eat it's something? The only way, man. It's the only way. <laughs> I mean, and I get, I totally get, uh, and you know, within our caloric parameters and macros and stuff. I mean, I mean, you, you watch my preps, you know how it's like, freaking just like scraping it's lettuce and tuna you know it's not and that's that's a situation where you have to embrace it because you've chose to go to that extreme you know what i mean that's right that's that's something you've chose to do you got to understand the sacrifice and it's and it's not permanent because your calories are going to go back up but um, in just a general sense and anyone that's eating you know any normal amount of calories um, even someone in contest prep, I mean, they can, until calories get very, very, very low, uh, why not just rotate foods? I mean, I, I made a post about that too, and I, it got, I got a lot of response, like, talking about why, why eat something if you dislike it, and, you know, and there's, there's other arguments, uh, I don't know how to cook, I don't know how to, you know, I just don't know how to make things taste good, yada, 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 I'm like, man, I cook almost all my stuff. I might use a skillet occasionally. I use a microwave for damn near everything. And I mean, I'm, I make stuff taste good. It's just, just branching out. I think people don't realize all the different stuff that you can eat. Um, so what do we, I mean, think about it. What do we eat for protein primarily? Let's say, I mean, there are other things, eggs, egg products, stuff like that way, but usually meat is one of the biggest ones. Well, I could sit here and rattle off like 25 different kinds of meat that you could eat. And you're like, well, I didn't know I could eat that. Why couldn't you eat that? You know, it's simple. It's simple stuff. It's, and so yeah, it's in the price range on stuff's going to vary greatly too. some of the exotic stuff's going to cost a little bit more. Um, but there's other options that, that don't cost. Like I like, I talk a lot about organ meats and stuff. Well, that's not for everyone. Some people don't like the flavor. Um, they aren't very costly to get if you do like the flavor and you might like them if you eat them more often. But other things like uh, pork is a really good one. That's, that's one that people underutilize a lot. Well, there's a lot of really lean cuts of pork that you can get, like the tenderloin. And it's, it's a lean meat. I mean, it's pretty comparable to chicken breast. Mm -hmm. It's not 
and it tastes good. Like I personally think it tastes better than chicken breast. And if you've eaten chicken breast for 10 years, then it's surely going to taste better to you. So yeah, I mean, there's just, there's so many things that people just don't think outside the box. And it could be, it could be as simple as depending on where you live, maybe there's like a, maybe there's like an Asian market or a, like some kind of ethnic market or something by you drop in there, see what they have. Go on Google, look up the nutrition facts. It's going to be on there. I mean, there's like 9,000 types of fish that you can eat. I mean, it's not, it's really not rocket science. It's just that people, people are very, very close minded. Um, and, and, and as far as like making stuff taste good, I mean, just there's spices, condiments, all these things in it. And if you think that you can't put spices or condiments on something that, you know, you're probably the same kind of person that doesn't put sodium on their food either. And you've got a whole different, you know, <laughs> you've got like a whole different um, host of problems at that point. It's not hard to make stuff taste palatable. Yeah. So. Yeah. And yeah. I, think that, I think there's some things <clears throat> that it's, um, it's two things that kind of keep people from, or at least in my view of, of why it keeps people from actually going out and trying to branch. For one, takes effort and, and it takes their own effort and energy to actually go in um, and look at, okay, this are the macros that I'm trying to hit, or this is the food I'm, I've got to eat, but maybe they don't understand that, you know, it has chicken breast, you know, whatever, X amount of protein, X amount of fat. And then they're like, okay, I don't even know how to calculate whatever. Like you just said, go on Google, there's nutrition facts. You go in there and it's as simple as saying, you know, it's as simple as either they can either pre-give you the amount of ounces or you can get a whole bunch and you can go home and you can cut it or, you know, measure it and, and eat it. So um, I think that is a huge deal of not knowing exactly how to make the, the switch and then because you get intimidated because of the idea of it. And then also people are just kind of lazy in that essence or essence if, if they're like trying to make the switch and they want to, you know, they want something different. I don't know how to make it taste better, but I have, I'm too lazy to make the switch. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned another thing too. You didn't directly mention it, but just calculating macros and the numbers and the math that throws people a lot. It seems like something really simple, but a lot of people just aren't quick with numbers like that because they don't do it. And, um, and that's okay too. I mean, I, I understand that now. Like I used to get, I wouldn't say I got mad, but I used to like in my own head, I wouldn't express it, but I used to get a little frustrated because I would get a lot of questions like that. I'm thinking, how do you not know how to do this math? Like it's super simple. But at the same time, I sit and crunch stuff on Excel sheets all day long and I can do it so fast and it comes to me so quickly, but that's because I do it all the time. Um, whether it's calculating like, you know, uh, amounts of food, splitting up portions. But yeah, I mean, simple little skills like that, learning how to, uh, you know, common things like, do I use, how do I cook my food? People want to use like a, a raw measurement on food. Well, how do I cook my food in bulk and still use a raw measurement? Do I have to, do I have to like cook each piece individually type of thing? Um, no, not, I mean, there's, there's easy ways to do it. You can, you can measure out the entire amount raw and then once it's cooked, remeasure it and, and just divide. So, I mean, a real simple, if it's, 
a hundred grams of food and then it's cooked and it's 50 grams of food, then, well, there you go. There's your, you know, 0.5, there's your multiplier. Now you can use that on all of the other cooked food that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, it's little, little skills like that. You can have to, uh, make your calculating and exchanging and all that stuff more efficient. Um, in, in terms of, you know, in terms of like looking up food data, that's, that is one thing some people have issues with. And I can understand why, because you, you can go on there and pull like different, different stuff off different sources. So that, that is an issue, but a lot, I find most accurate, like a lot of the government databases, I think I find that they're like, they tend to be the most accurate and consistent across the board more so than my fitness pal or something like that simply because they don't, because like a lot of that stuff is self inserted. I don't know how those programs work entirely because I, I think that they're like an open editing where people can put, you know, foods into the big database type of thing. So of course that's going to leave room for error. Um, there are, but there are other databases online that are a little bit better. And, and I mean, and, and there's, there are other tracking apps too. Um, another app that I like lately, actually two apps that I've used. Some people like my fitness pal. That's fine. They're really comfortable with it. Um, a lot of people have kind of transitioned to use my macros plus. That's a good one that a lot of people like. There's actually a third one called chronometer. That's pretty good. Uh, it is nice thing about that is actually has all the electrolytes and like vitamins and minerals and stuff on there. And it's, and it actually seems to be pretty darn accurate in terms of the micronutrients. So if you're somebody that wants to learn how to like track sodium, potassium, things like that, then that's a good place to start. Or if you want to see your micronutrients, um, you know, it might not have like every single like little obscure trace mineral on there, but it's going to have all the heavy hitters. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of options, some basic math and you can, and you can make easy exchanges. Um, it's, and it just, like I said, it just makes, it just makes everything more enjoyable. I mean, not only, not only from the perspective of contest prep variety, I think, I think actually probably more people have issues in an off season or non-contest prep setting than a contest prep setting for two reasons. One is you're hyper-focused on your goal and you know, your food choices are a little limited because your calories are lower and you have, and everything is, or more stuff is palatable when you're hungry, of course. So I find that a lot of the, a lot of the actual adherence issues come when, um, when people are in the off season and they're going through, you know, and they have, they have no goal, right? Yeah. They have no goal. They're like, well, I don't even have a goal. I don't have a show. I don't have anything going on. I've eaten chicken every single day for eight months. Like I can't do this anymore type of thing, you know? So, so that's, that's, I mean, that's a legitimate issue and people, I, they ask me, how do you adhere all the time? I'm like, well, it's not because it's not because I'm a robot. It's because I just keep stuff interesting. Um, I can give you a breakdown too. While we're sitting here, kind of give you an idea. I'm in the off season. I'm kind of hitting that point where like relevant to me, my calories are kind of getting to the point where I don't have a ton of appetite. I'm not force feeding, but 
I could, I don't care if I eat type of thing, but I know that I need, I need to. Um, yeah, I mean, and my meals are funky. I mean, you got looking at my day, I have like my post-workout meal before we talked, I had a, <laughs> my protein source was organic deli meat. Um, it tastes delicious. It's fantastic. It tastes so good. I like to, I used to, I used to actually just eat straight deli meat because for some reason oh, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. It tastes so good. And of course with me, I, I actually train out in my, in my barn and it's really humid. So I sweat a lot. Right. So it's a good electrolyte replacement to get my sodium back in. Um, and I had my carb source was, well, I had two carb sources. One was I had a carb powder intro workout and I had some post workout and then I had white cheddar rice cakes and I had, um, some cauliflower. So I basically just took, I took the entire pack of the, of the deli meat. I took my little meat scissors. I cut it all up in the cauliflower meat and veggie. And I ate an entire 14 pack, 14 tube of white cheddar rice cakes. And that met my macros for the meal. See, um, that's what people don't like put to it. Like that's crazy. People, other people are like listening right now, like what? <laughs> but yeah, and that's not even in, that's not even what I would consider like a, really liberal IIYFM approach. I mean, there's nothing, the dirtiest thing in there is maybe the cheddar powder on the rice cakes. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. it's not any, I didn't eat candy. I didn't eat ice cream. Um, I mean, you could technically, yeah, you could insert those things, but um, I mean, there's so many, there's so many ways to make stuff interesting. My last meal tonight is I have, um, I have a, bowl that I make that is I use organic pumpkin it's just like the puree out of the can mm -hmm. and I use um I'll typically use like grass-fed yogurt okay and I have this um vanilla pudding mix which is just like a starch mix it up whip it up so it becomes thick and I have I have uh, I dip rice cakes in it and eat it like like you know pudding or ice cream just like that and i can match and that's normally the base to my my last meal of the night it is and if i need to increase something i can add whey isolate to it to bump my protein i can add more rice cakes to bump my carbs i can take away things i can add um it's it's really easy to modify meals and and then my my protein and my meals that don't have carbohydrates in them protein and fat based meals i'll have have maybe half a dozen, six, eight vegetables that I rotate through that I enjoy. And I rotate a lot of different meats. I eat all kinds of, uh, I love organ meats. I eat heart, livers, kidneys, pancreas, brains, you know, like all kinds of stuff. Um, any kind of game meat, uh, anything off the wall. I, I, rotate all my meats and then of course eggs, egg whites, um, fish. I probably like 10 different kinds of fish. Uh, I mean, so you can see right there, 20 pro there's like 20 protein sources. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not in, and I guarantee that even though it sounds goofy, I'm still, I'm hitting all my stuff is precisely timed. My macro timing is precise. The foods sound goofy. But everything's very precise and timed right. My macros are nailed to the T. 
Um, my digestion is good because I know what works for me. Um, I like the way the stuff tastes. I, and I guarantee that even though my stuff sounds goofy, I'm getting more micronutrients than any, you know, Joe bro diet out there. So, so what's the, you know, there's, what's the problem, right? It's like, there's, it's all there. Every component is there. So yeah, it can be done. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's a prime example. I'm glad that you actually gave us an example of all that stuff because all that stuff, people usually think, uh, I think it's maybe, I don't know if it's that they're closed minded in the sense of they're just so engulfed in the, the food choices that they've uh, been choosing for so long, for so many years, that's destroying their body, whether it's going out or at the store, sugary stuff, whatever. But <clears throat> they don't, they've never been to that part of the store, maybe. <laughs> they've ever been to that part of the store where they've actually seen all these different types of fishes. They don't, they don't know. They've never tried it. So they don't know if they like it. They don't want to spend the money on something they don't like. Right. I mean, I'm the same way, but, but I'd say that for one, going back a little bit with the sodium and the flavoring, I mean, by now I hope that my viewers understand that sodium is not your enemy. It's just, I usually just teach, you know, the ratio with the water intake and the, the how much you know you're exercising and uh, the, all those different types of things go into play, but essentially it's going to regulate and it's important for your performance, performance. I mean, important for your recovery, all this kind of stuff. And um, that I use sodium. I like to use you know regular, like just regular uh, table salt or pink Himalayan salt is my favorite. Um, that or just any form of sea salt, um, and then like adding that with any sort of seasoning, like there is probably thousands, thousands, hundreds of thousands of seasonings now, different companies, I mean, different flavors. There's crazy things out there now that yes, might include sodium. That's okay. Might not include sodium. That's okay. I mean, if you put sodium on top of the whatever, but um, doing it that way and then really honestly, I mean, if I ask somebody, how, how long do you spend at night on your phone in bed? Before we go to sleep it's usually a little while little half an hour or so if you know and usually if, if I can it'll be something if people aren't getting good sleep it's the first thing I attack it's saying all right no no screens half an hour before bed or you have the glasses that I think you have um, mm -hmm. yeah and so so I usually do that but you know if people are you know whatever if they're fine then they go about their day I don't mess with it but um, <clears throat> I say hey how long are you on your phone what are you looking at blah blah well how about you look up how to how to bake or how to cook this certain meat and just find a new recipe i mean it's as simple as like two five minutes maybe um and using different flavors at the store like i said there's so many, i love uh like curry powder stuff and like um cayenne pepper and like a little more of that and different different things there's a whole including ginger or including you know different things with it, it makes a world of difference like huge um in the sense of the end product in my opinion but um i think people uh think you know and even if you order from places like say that you're, you're just like you know i just don't have time to cook this stuff and you need to realize that if it's that important to you then you still need to invest the money if you don't want to invest the time because you're still needing to reach the end goal and so <clears throat> which is totally fine but if you invest in like a meal prep service or somebody you know something like that they should have <laughs> crazy amount of like seasonings and if they don't but they'll get it for you pretty easily um yeah so so yeah that's kind of like my take on that is usually it's just an excuse 
Um, but like Austin just said, he has a blast and you get a, you'll probably learn to love new food that you've never even heard of before. And, uh, and so you can rotate all kinds of things. And so just trying it that way. I mean, even just trying to rotate foods without even calculating the macros in the first place, maybe just trying the food would be great to understand if you actually like it. And then you can start, you know, implementing it more regularly in your diet. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, what do you, th- what do you think on that? Uh, I guess we kind of touched macros to meal, meal rotation. Oh, explain a little bit more. So with this, you're getting, you're like, you get more micros than the average bro. Like obviously with all the different sources and stuff like that. Um, let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, of why it might be even more beneficial to try to convince more people to actually try this because it essentially in a micro sense, it probably is more beneficial. Uh, well, I know it is more beneficial to do it this way, what you're doing rather than eating the same thing every single day. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of micronutrients, so we're talking about vitamins, minerals, trace minerals, um, uh, cofactors, like polyphenols, like all these little nutrients that you're going to get from, uh, from your foods. So yeah, I mean, obviously more rotation, you have more, you have different food sources are going to have different micronutrients. Now it's not like if you look at, if you look at like the RDA or, you know, recommended daily allowance of micronutrients, it's pretty low. And for some of the things I think it's okay, but there are other nutrients in there that I think that the, that we, we need a lot more than what they, you know, what they suggest. Um, and it's, I mean, for most people, you're going to be able to get enough through food. Um, but yeah, you're definitely shortchanging yourself. Like if you were to go on the app, like I mentioned the chronometer app, if you were to go in there and plug in your food, let's say you eat the same things every single day for months on end, you'll see how it's very, very lopsided in terms of your micronutrients and how you probably are missing something. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't seem like anything very significant, but when you start getting into metabolic processes in the body, like I post stuff, um, about hormonal, like hormonal feedback loops. Like I did a whole, okay. For example, I did a whole thing on thyroid and common thyroid issues and, um, all the micronutrients that you need for proper conversion of your T4 to T3 hormones, um, making sure that uh, the receptors are able to uptake the hormones, maybe sure you're actually able to create the hormones, little things like that. People would never, never catch it. I'm not expecting people to know all of that, like down to the nitty gritty level. But my point being is that you are more susceptible to um, metabolic issues and, uh, because you don't rotate your food. So, uh, some people might say, well, take a multivitamin. You could, you could certainly take a multivitamin. Now, if you're going to use a multivitamin, I would definitely suggest that you take something that's has high bioavailability. It's not just Centrum from Walmart. There are some companies out there that have good multivitamins like life extension or, or thorn, um, companies like that. They have really solid products, but again, all of the little trace minerals and some of these smaller micros and antioxidants and things you won't get without food variety. So again, it is only going to be to your benefit to rotate foods. And I think, 
I think, I mean, all of it's a pretty compelling argument. So now you have better taste, you have more variety, you have more micronutrients, you have um, more, I mean, more everything. Everything's better when you can rotate your food. And, and it can be, it, if you're intimidated by it, like you mentioned being intimidated and, and maybe lazy or it's just a, a tall task, it is, if you don't know anything about the foods, it can, I suggest with a lot of people, if they want to learn more about food rotation, and I had a discussion with a client about this before I got on here, because uh, they were having some food sensitivities, I said, all right, I want you to, I want you to make a list, protein sources, carb sources, and fat sources. And maybe like a, a veggie, like a fiber veggie source column or something off the side. And let's fill it in. Let's try to get, let's try to get, you know, six to 10 foods in every column. Yeah. Okay. And then let's start rotating through those foods. And if you need a suggestion, I'll give you a suggestion. So, you know, right there, it's like, boom, you have 30, 40 foods that you can rotate through and you're going to have obviously a ton of variety at that point. Now, one, one other thing too, to probably touch on here that I definitely think is relevant is food sources. Uh, in terms of digestion, food sources are probably going to change a little bit depending on the amount of food that you're eating too. Um, this isn't super important for a lot of people, but you do get some people that they just generally get kind of sick of what they're eating. And it's not because they don't like it. It's just because they're eating a lot of it. And it's just a lot of maybe the, the volume of food is just more than they enjoy eating. Um, and, so, and then other people are like, no, I'll never get tired of eating. Well, you probably haven't eaten that much if you say that. I mean, there's always a point where people are like, I'm just sick of eating. Um, so if it's an off-season situation, you're trying to put on muscle tissue, you have a lot of calories. Um, I had a dis discussion with one of my clients today. He eats, he's eating um, 815 carbs a day. And like that's in over 100 grams of fat and in over 450 grams of protein. Yeah, it's dumb. Like, yeah, so, you know, and I have like, I actually have a few clients that are like that and that's not normal, but yeah. <laughs> like you don't like, but now I mentioned myself personally, for me, that caloric point is going to be a lot lower, but I still, I still have that ceiling where I don't really want to eat that much either. Okay. So that's where, again, rotating foods is helpful. Um, how can you do things that reduce food volume? Sometimes, sometimes things like a little bit more processed food is going to be helpful. It's going to be more calorically dense. There's probably going to be less water, you know, within the food because it's taken out of its natural form. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be, when I say process, it doesn't mean you have to eat like Twinkies instead of rice. It can be a rice based cereal instead of rice, right? That's what I do. Yeah. 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 Easy. And it can, it, it doesn't have to be dirty food. I like, like I'll have people, one of the easiest things I'll do is I'll have people add like a post-workout in a meal, add honey to their food, raw honey, tons. I mean, there's a lot of extra nutrients in the food. There are um, some potential benefits to using honey. You get seven, like 15 to 20 grams of the carbs in a freaking teaspoon. You know, it's like nothing. Yeah. So um, you can definitely beef up 
you can definitely beef up your calories and reducing the food volume that way. If you're somebody that just generally does not like high food volume, um, I definitely go through phases that way where I'll like back, I'll back off my vegetable intake a little bit because I'm trying to kind of save some space. And I like vegetables. Like I'm somebody that I can eat, um, on a normal basis with a normal appetite, I would eat, I mean, I'd probably eat three to five pounds of vegetables a day. Um, and I digest them fine. It's just, that's just what I like. Like I'll eat about a, you know, three quarters to one pound in a meal a lot of the time. Um, but again, I don't want to do that if I'm not hungry, you know? So exactly. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that's, you know, that's obviously a benefit. I find that that's going back to that off season situation. That's kind of where some people fall off with adherence. Maybe they're working with the coach and they're adding, they're continuously adding food to their plan, food to their plan, food to their plan, but the food never, but the selection never changes. So now they have double their calories and their appetite's obviously a lot lower and they're still eating, they're still eating oats and rice and potatoes and they're like, this sucks and I do not want to eat this shit anymore. And they, they either, even if, even if you're the most diehard and going to stick to the plan no matter what, well, it's going to be stressful and you're going to have anxiety and you're not going to enjoy it. And I don't care like how they're like, oh, I'm hardcore, whatever. I said, I guarantee that your body will look better if you like what you eat. I guarantee it. I challenge you. I challenge you to reduce your stress from not hating your life and eat stuff. Like, I mean, no joke. Do you get, because you get that crowd, you get that crowd that they're so diehard with clean foods or they think, they think flexible dieting means that you have to eat junk food and they just won't budge on it. I said, I challenge you to have more variety in your diet and enjoy your food. And I guarantee that you'll like the results. So and you'd be able to sustain them too. Yep. Yeah. But again, and these are also the same people that when they have a, a free meal or cheat meal in their plan, they eat like a complete dickhead. Why? Because they hate what they eat all week long. They hate it. <laughs> I had a guy. I've known this guy that he's like, yeah, I'm prepping. I've been losing a really good weight. I've been making really good progress. And then my, my coach gave me a, gave me a cheat day. I'm like, a day, huh? Really? He's wow. like, I was like, that's very, I've never, I've never heard of that going well, but unless you're very, very, so, so low and so, you know, depleted and you're just so shredded that you're just needing to, you have to, you know what I mean? Like to, to fill up. I've heard of that, yeah. but I've never heard of like, oh, you're doing well. I'm going to give you a cheat day. But anyway, so this guy told me his whole entire day and it was, it was, I think he went to every restaurant in town, man. It was like burgers and then pizza and then ice cream. And then he had these German hot dogs and then he went ham on just everything. And then I was like, well, how'd that work out for you? He's like, man, it was amazing. I was like, I've got this certain beer that I like to get this organic, whatever kind of beer and stuff. And I just, you know, I could drink as much as I wanted. And, and I'm like, <laughs> and so, um, don't let that be you because you don't like what you eat because if you, if you like what you eat, you don't have to go out and um, binge because that binge is going to set you back. Even though you think yeah. 
you know, magically helping his metabolism raise and he's all getting, you know, he's, I got a, I got a gift from coaches. It's helping me, right? It's helping me because he said I could do it. No, 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 no. That was a bad mistake. And anyway, so that in my opinion, but, um, but yeah, like you're saying, if you, <laughs> you can eat, um, what you like to eat, you really shouldn't even have to be like, man, I need a cheat meal. It's never going to be a cheat meal. It's just going to be finding something new that you might sacrifice in the beginning of the day to have in the end of the day because it's a little more process or, or something of such like that. Um, and so that's what I was going to kind of say too is, is everybody will kind of, because of your hunger hormones, everybody probably will get to a point and everybody's calorie uh, amount is going to be different of when they start getting full based on like their set point and just different things in the physiology and blah, 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 blah. But like Austin right now, you know, he's getting to a point where he's starting to get kind of full, but doesn't mean he's eating like that other guy, 815 grams of carbs, 100 grams of fat, and 50 grams of protein. So everybody's different, but you'll notice what I do is exactly what he said is, is my calories go up and I'm putting myself in a caloric surplus and I keep growing, keep growing. And then I start to get to a point where I just don't like all these whole foods you would call them, you know, like chicken, like, you know, starch, like uh, sweet potatoes, large amounts or large amounts of vegetables and stuff like that. <clears throat> then um, you can start switching it to more. I like to use more rice based things like cereals or the rice cakes or, um, I like to use like bagels and stuff like that. Um, something of sorts to get in more carbohydrates for a smaller volume of food. That's what Austin is saying is you don't have to eat as much to get the same amount of calories. And so the opposite spectrum is also true when you're dieting. And so with what's what I pretty much hit my clients hard on in the beginning is because usually to just knock out those habits just like that, um, you can't just like obviously just instantly change their lifestyle. But you can start implementing higher protein amounts or more wholesome protein amounts, which then usually makes it so they're not even hungry, so they don't even go and snack on the BS, like chips and all that kind of stuff, which usually people that tell me that's what they're, you know, salty foods or sugary foods, I usually hit them with a good impulse of like denser protein sources um, to kind of make them feel full because I've never felt like that before. You know what I mean? So, and you can that that's pretty similar to how i go about it that that seems to be common with most people is they they actually do a little bit better on the more wholesome whole foods in lower caloric situations and then vice versa mm -hmm. uh, just because of the amount of food that you're eating mm -hmm. um but to your point there um i did i probably made a post about this i make so many posts i don't remember i think it was something along the lines of um being satiated versus um, versus the amount of food volume that you eat, like the correlation between that. So there was an interesting there was an interesting thing talking about whether or not because here's here's something that I do run into with some people, and they they start realizing that they can implement more foods, and they start realizing how to make their meals bigger, more volume because they're discovering like all these food sources and. Now, some people actually get carried away with that. They'll have, yeah, they'll they'll have just excessive amounts of volume that actually upset their, you know, upset their stomach, yeah. and they're having, yeah, GI issues. And there was a study on talking about like uh, satiety and like how how it's correlated with actual food volume without calories matching. So let's say this meal weighs this meal weighs uh, 
700 grams of total food, or you make this like protein fluff, you know, with all kinds of thickeners and stuff in it that weighs like three pounds. So is there a, a really marked difference between the two other than one just makes you really full initially? And yeah, there was, there seemed to be some, there seemed to be some uh, correlation between the higher food volume and kind of tricking you into feeling fuller temporarily. Um, some of the longer term hunger hormones aren't really affected like that because they're more affected by calories in and calories out. Um, like, like leptin levels, for example, your leptin levels aren't going to be affected by the amount of food. You can't trick them. It's not going to work. So yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some correlation there, but I just try to encourage people to not to get too caught up into trying to cram like the maximum amount of food into uh, you know, or volume into a meal, if it's going to upset their stomach, you get the main culprits, you know, like something like vegetables, of course, I mean, you can, um, your carbs get lowered, and you're eating 100 grams of carbs a day now, and you're getting all 100 grams of carbs from vegetables. And it's just like an obscene amount. And that's what I was gonna yeah. say is that's when I, I do like a I experimented and you've experimented and you know, like I say, like a huge major mini cut or something like that, or a huge, you're just like testing on yourself. What's going to happen if I'm eating 300 grams of carbs and these good maintenance calories, and all of a sudden, you know what, let's make myself suffer for some reason because we're dumb. We like to experiment on ourselves, but let's go down to hundred grams and try to really increase the food volume to see if we can kind of trick ourselves into knowing you're feeling full, but you're really not getting the energy there and see how much weight we can lose or whatever. You know, I've tried stuff similar to that, of course, but, um, Terrible idea with the stomach. It upset my stomach like crazy, increasing that. So it's usually the fiber amount. I see like increasing that amount of vegetables, making it more like that. All of a sudden, it was terrible. And I, I mean, I couldn't withstand it for a little while just because I was on the toilet every single like, you know, hour. So, so yeah. It's a bad, I mean, it's bad from the GI standpoint, just creating like a lot of inflammation in the GI tract. It's obviously just makes you feel sluggish. It interrupts your normal bowel patterns, all that. So this, another thing about food too and amounts and selection and hunger is not bad. Hunger is a good thing to an extent, like hunger that you can, um, tolerable hunger, hunger that's not going to make you, you know, do something stupid like that amount of hunger, but it is good. Like I, I like people to use foods and food volumes that they are a little bit hungry before their next meal. They're ready to eat. And that could be, maybe that has to do with like the spacing and meal frequency, how many meals they're eating during the day. Um, you know, obviously like it's difficult to have someone that's eating 6,000 calories have hunger between meals. They have to eat you have to eat just the right foods. Otherwise all your digestion between meals is just going to overlap. You know what I mean? Meal, meal three is still going to be sitting in your stomach when it's time to eat meal four. So, um, and that's in, you know, we're not going to go fully into digestion necessarily. And there's some different strategies there, but yeah, foods like you generally want foods that digest easily. Um, just because they are going to move through your GI tract with little stress. Um, you're going to feel better with them. You're going to have better bowel movements, all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's nice 
and anyone anyone that's kind of been in that situation where they're really full and they they know like the value of hunger hunger actually feels good they're like oh yes i'm a little bit hungry this is so nice because i want to eat you know i want to eat my food um again that's another big thing with adherence uh with people and you're kind of doing the opposite in contest prep you're kind of trying to blunt the hunger a little bit but but again hunger is not you know, hunger is not the enemy. Hunger is like a normal digestive response and normal hormonal response. And I, I encourage people to be okay with feeling hunger. I don't like, it's not a bad thing. They, I said, the hunger is all, I'm like, Hey, are you hungry? They're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm pretty hungry. I'm like, awesome. Perfect. And they, and they're like, what? I'm like, that's great. Hunger is good. Like we want hunger and because, you know, either maybe they're in a fat loss phase. I'm like, Hey, you're, you're blowing through that food, right? It's digesting quickly and efficiently. Your body's utilizing it. You're feeling good. They're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Or off-season, I'm like, oh, hunger's good. I said, now we can keep increasing food, and you're going to keep getting bigger. So, um, yeah, food selection and hunger, that's another thing that definitely go hand-in-hand. Hand. Um, yeah, man, food selection's a, it's an interesting topic. It just – it really, it really just boils down to digestion at the end of the day. Um, but digestion's really broad. Like I think we mentioned, we mentioned probably ten different things, kind of subtopics of digestion itself. It's not just. It's like what what digests good, what digests efficiently, um, and there's you know all the little subtopics there. But there is. There's so many foods. I, I hope people watch this. I hope they kind of branch out and eat some different stuff. Um, it can be, and you're going to realize too, like all the stuff that you're missing out on. And I know that if I can do it, other people can because I didn't like anything growing up. I like nothing. I would not eat anything. And now um, I see my mom now every once in a while. My parents live pretty close by. Um, so every time I see them, I'm eating like, you know, the other day I was eating like, I don't know, Brussels sprouts with liverwurst. Liverwurst is liver, kidneys, heart, and something else. It's like into a, it's all ground up together. Yeah. She's like, she's like, there's no way in hell that you would have eaten that when you were a kid. And I told her, you know, I told her all the stuff that I eat. She's like, that's amazing. How do you, <laughs> you know, so yeah. um, it's just branch out. I hope everyone kind of branches out. Yeah. No, I, I hope so too after all this because I think this is some very, very, very good information for helping people kind of um, a couple of things. They're going to be more adherent to their diet and their phase of what they're in after all of this because I think it's going to give them confidence knowing that there's another way. You don't have to hate yourself or hate the diet or hate the whatever you're doing. Um, it's just all about the structure, the umbrella on top of it, of where you start rather than getting dug deep and underneath it, sticking to one thing that you hate. Cause if you're doing that, it's not going to be sustainable over the long term. It's why fad diets, keto, Atkins, vegetarian, I mean, different there's diets, they all work, but it may not work for you because you're not going about it and being able to sustain it because you don't like it. <laughs> but <clears throat> I'd say that, um, Everything Austin said is, is some great information. If you know, if we have any other info or any questions for him, we're going to wrap this up. Um, he's, he's a busy guy. 
So he's uh, no, just kidding, but <laughs> um, not really. He is a busy guy, but but this uh, <laughs> up and um, you know, if you have any questions for Austin or myself, please reach out. You know, we went over macros today. You know, really focusing on what digests well, depending on what phase. If you know, adding more volume to your meals if you are in more of a fat loss phase to help with the hunger. Um, but making sure it digests well still, but also, you know, changing the volume or going a little more processed foods in a, in a gain phase when you're not as hungry to try and make yourself a little more hungry. Um, male rotation to stop like intolerances and stuff like that. All the different meats that Austin's talked about, switching from fish to eggs to chicken to turkey to beef. I mean, it's, there's, the list goes on and on. He goes into freaking bison, eating bison and lamb and all this other stuff that I would, I, I would love to eat that stuff. Elk and uh, venison so there's plenty of things out there um they're all very interchangeable it's just kind of starting to learn how to and um like those re those resources that he said those different apps on your phone my fitness pal you think you said macro calculator macro something plus my macros plus is a my good one yeah. the other one the last one was what was it uh, chronometer chronometer so if you guys yeah. want to look those up um, very good resources to try to start playing around. Um, I'm sure there's a YouTube video on it, even how to use it and how to track. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah. I will put up our, our, um, Instagrams and our emails and all that kind of stuff in the description box. Um, but anyways, thank you Austin for, for being on the show again. Very, very wealth of knowledge. I love it. I appreciate it. Anytime. I'm sure we can, uh, come up with some more topics. I can, you know, I can blab a lot, so. Yeah, we'll have to fill up with some crazy stuff next time. <laughs> Off the wall. How many how many sets can you do until you tear a muscle or something weird? <laughs> but anyways, all right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you next time.